when you should be doing the moderate hike. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And I, I, I personally didn't realize, but as many people that I know from out of town that come here are finding um, guides. They find a hiking guide or a canyoneering guide so that they aren't completely prepared. They aren't completely experienced because they're not from here and been doing it since growing up. So they find guides that are helping them. And that's, they, I know there's guided ATV tours. That would be, I think, so much fun too. They probably take me places I haven't. Well, and, and there's repelling guides for repelling down yeah. the canyon, down Yankee Doodle or down Ultra Guys. Going to you know, and, and people need to consider just taking that up. Uh, getting a little bit of experience before they attempt those things on their own. Um, that's when we end up getting called. This is when they have attempted and something failed. Yeah. Did you have questions there, Jamie? Or yeah, so just a couple questions, obviously. No. Do you guys have um, resources that you would suggest for these classes? I mean, you know, like when I went to Mexico and I went scuba diving, I had the little practice class right before. I can't, obviously, I can't, couldn't go too deep, but... What do you guys recommend as far as the resources that people can look into to help them um, be safe or do something that they haven't done before? Actually, a lot of the like UTV and ATV rental places, mm -hmm. they actually will provide those services or refer you to someone who that's all they do is just take people out on, on the sand dunes or up, you know, on guided things. Um, there's, there's several uh, climbing shops around here. They do the same thing. They have guides that will set up a Guide, especially if you have a group of people. Um, a lot of our dive shops will take you out and do what's called a, a, an exploring diving type of thing out in Sand Hollow. Mm -hmm. So you're right there with a certified instructor and learning how to do a little bit of diving. So a lot of those things are, are available down here. Um, it's, it's when you get outside that realm or going out into some backcountry that no one really knows where you've gone, what you're doing, and you're not prepared for that's when we come into play a lot. Well, you brought up a really good point earlier that I think people don't realize that 911 is not five minutes away. Like me in Salt Lake, you know, I have ambulances everywhere. If I get injured, they are there quickly. And it's not that you're not fast, it's just that you're far away. Or if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you may not even have cell service, right? That's right. If you, I mean, you, you may have to find a way, if you can, to move or get to high ground to find enough cell service to dial 911, and we actually recommend people do that because we'll, dispatch can pull your GPS, yeah. which really helps us in, in locating you and getting there faster. But one of the funniest things people do is like, how long will it take them to get there? Yeah. And, the, and the question we ask them is, how long did it take you to get there? Because yeah. that's how long it's gonna take us to get there. And so people need to be prepared for that time, you know, if it gets dark, if it gets cold, and down here in the desert, it'll be really warm during the day at this time of year, and really cold at night, and they don't take a jacket, they don't take a light, they try and use their cell phone, which is a mistake, um, don't have any water, no food. So those are the things we ask people to do, to, because we realize accidents are gonna happen. We want you to be prepared to take care of yourself until, at least until we can get there. Right, great questions. So you mentioned that oftentimes there's no cell service, and that's definitely the case. There's huge holes in cell service, you may have to go miles to get cell service. Another excellent option are these GPS locators. Yeah. You know, they run off satellite and they can be sometimes one way, sometimes even two way communication um, with EMS, search and rescue, or just uh, other people that uh, may or may not know where you are. And so if you just need some water, maybe you can just send a message 
Um, but there, that's a fantastic tool down here. As long as you're not deep in a slot canyon, you can pretty much always get it, uh, some sort of GPS signal. It's a great reminder. Is that how you guys are receiving your calls? The majority of them come through 911. We'll get signals from spot devices. That's what he's talking about. Is And they do come in a variety of one- and two-way communication. But somebody has a spot device, and it's programmed to go to, like, the spouse or a neighbor or a friend or to, to 911 if it's an emergency. The thing with that is it'll give us a GPS a lot of times, but it won't tell us what the problem is. Hmm. So we have to respond as if it's something critical, something life safe, you know, life safety. Um, and sometimes Ben, guy's got a flat tire and he's out in the middle of <laughs> on the West Desert of Utah. It happens, but you know, we're not looking at that. We're looking at that time when you get it and you do make a difference. You can get there. You can get them out. Yeah. Would you, I, I was, I just found it very interesting, our amount of search and rescue calls, because I've been seeing it in the news articles of the amount of increase that we've had. Would you just go over what you're seeing? Like, what is it that people are getting caught in or getting hurt from, from your your calls? Yeah, just really quick to give you an idea, and I, and I got 2019 2020 figures with me, mm -hmm. just as a contrast. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2019, we did 130 rescues in the county. 2020, we went to 174. Wow. So we had a huge increase, and all of my people are volunteers. So they don't they don't get paid anything. They just come. Goodness of They're probably better people than me. <laughs> but um, our illnesses in 2019, illnesses in the back country, okay, somebody got ill, and that could be anywhere from heat-related, cold-related, cardiac, you know, numerous things. That, that's an illness there, we had 11. And in 2020, we had 39. Wow. So wow. that were just with an illness. With injuries, our injuries went from 42 in 2019 to 63 in 2020. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge increase. And I do have it broken down more. We might get into that a little bit later on specifics. Uh, the one thing, and I don't want to really make it really sad, but our deaths are staying about the same. Mm -hmm. They're running about 12 to 12 in 2019, 13 in 2020. So we get about a death a month, which in my opinion is a death too, too many. Yeah. And these are from people trying extreme things or doing things that probably they were not trained or shouldn't have done. Some of them are accidents. Some of them just happened. Yeah. So I have a question about that too, just because I was watching a documentary on Virgin Utah and the, the biking that happens there. And holy cow, the things that people were doing, it I just watching it from my living room, I thought that I was like, wow, this is why I have a job. Because they, they do these, they, I mean, obviously yeah. they're doing these crazy things, but how many times do they have to crash or, or something like that before, you know, they mastered this? So what I was wondering is kind of talking about maybe those well-known places that people visit all the time and maybe just quick safety things that they need to remember to take on those well-known places, and then maybe touch on a couple of other places. I'm not a biker, so Virgin Utah was new to me, um, and the biking there, so maybe touch on a little of those not well-known places and maybe just things that people need to remember to take and have with them in those areas. Yeah, I would say, what are some of the, the five to 10 items people can take to, to make sure in each of these areas that are so amazing down there where you guys are? Um, five to ten items mm -hmm. that they should take when they're visiting those places. 
Do you want to answer that? Sure. That's kind of two different questions. I, know. I guess, first of all, we'll, we'll tackle the mountain biking. And I think you're referring to Red Bull Rampage, which is kind of the World Series of mountain biking, downhill biking in the world. So um, I've actually been uh, one of the medical directors for Red Bull Rampage for the past five years. Dr. Sutherland, who's here, is also a very avid mountain biker. Um, I coach, uh, as an assistant coach, one of the high school mountain biking teams. I can tell you, we have not had very many serious injuries at Red Bull Rampage the last three years. Four years ago was kind of a bad year, and we had some spine injuries and some broken ribs and collapsed lungs and things like that. But those riders are extreme. They are excellent. Um, they have great protection all the time, and they uh, really know what they're doing. I think we can learn a few lessons from them. If you watch how they get ready for that, they take seven days to build their line coming down the mountain and they try things um you know very small measures first and then they make sure that the conditions are just right and they've got builders who are there with them who are making sure the slopes or landings are just right and then they go and try it but not until they've taken some extreme precautions up front and and um there's still things that i i seriously hear people who come into the emergency department who went out to the red bull rampage site and decided they were going to try it and they come in severely injured you know bite off a 40-foot drop or a 140-foot gap without first, you know, doing the three-foot drop, um, which you can find all over southern Utah. So um, as far as mountain biking goes, I can tell you from our high school kids, who some of them are beginners, some of them are quite advanced, we don't have very many injuries there because we take it slow. You go and you do a pre-ride. You talk about how to do it. You don't push anything beyond what you can handle, and then you kind of slowly increase from there. Anything else, Dr. Sutherland, on mountain biking? I completely agree. You know, these the professionals, we rarely see them get hurt because, as Dr. Crosby said, they've been working up to this and training for years. And then there's specific run down Red Bull they've been practicing for weeks. Um, the ones that we do see are the ones who watch it and say, oh, that looks easy. I can do that. And those are the ones who get admitted to the hospital with severe injuries. Because it does some, they make it look easy. They make it look impressive and crazy, but they run it so smooth. It's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Those are the people that get hurt because they jump, they jump to doing more than they can handle without doing their homework first. Yeah. And even recognize that when you're up in Salt Lake, I mean, I grew up in Sandy and vacation down here in St. George as well um, when I was a young boy. You are not in the same peak fitness condition you were at <laughs> when you went into exercise hibernation last fall. <laughs> And so you come down here for spring break and all of a sudden think that a 20-mile mountain bike ride sounds like a great idea and you can go off of these drops that you were doing last fall. You need to work back into it. And so don't push yourself. Take it easy. Take it slow. So another question on the mountain. They come down and want to do that. They all red mountains from top to bottom when they should be going on some trails down maybe in Snow Canyon and taking, you know, building up to that. Yeah. Now, as far as, you know, five things you can take with you, I think we're talking about two different types of outdoor recreationalists. There are these extreme people who come down here and they want to go, you know, do these huge mountain biking jumps or they want to go scuba diving or they want to go parasailing, things like that. You've got to have a guide. You've got to have canyoneering. You've got to have a guide. You've got to have somebody who knows what they're doing to do those types of things safely unless you're very advanced on your, on your own. I think most of the people who come down here for spring break need to remember the things they learned in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts. 
A cell phone is no replacement for a map because you're going to lose service. You've got to have adequate hydration. What if it, the hike takes longer or you get lost, which, by the way, is quite easy. When I take my kids who have grown up in St. George for a hike up in northern Utah, they tell me it's so easy because there's a trail through the trees and there's no real way to get lost. Down here, you're looking at big red rock, slick rock, and there's a rock parent a quarter of a mile away that if you don't see it, you can get off track. And the trails are not easily marked. So you, you need to be ready for the things that could go wrong that Dr. That Daryl Cashin was talking about. Dr. Cashin. There you go. <laughs> I got promoted. There you go. <laughs> so have extra water. Have something for warmth in case the sun goes down. Have a paper map. That's archaic, I know, but guess what? The battery doesn't die on that. Um, have a flashlight. Have a, a way to contact people and then use the buddy system when you go out in the backcountry so that if you get injured, you have a way to get help. That's beautiful. A paper map. <laughs> I love paper maps. I mean, where do you even buy those anymore? That's what people are going to ask. I wanted to touch on the razors that everybody comes here to, to enjoy out on the sand dunes. I mean, easy. Get in. It's driving like a car. No problem. You're not from here. But then you go, go up over a hill, and all of a sudden you're tumbling, and arms are flying out those uh, out underneath the roll bars. And wait, that would be a simple fix to get a net put in your windshield where your arm would go if not. So when you go to rent one of these razors for the day, ask for a net to put in that windshield so you're not sticking your arms out. I mean, every, every time we go out on the razor, that's the first thing we say to everybody, if we roll arms up to your chest, hold on to your harness, do not, you know, that is, we, we have to say it out loud to help remind, it may happen that we're going to roll, and that arm, I mean, we we do get amputations plenty here from a roll bar, so just something simple like putting a net in or saying out loud, this may happen, so keep your arms in, just simple. <laughs> I'm going to go a little more specific on that. Um, last year we had uh, a family came down from from Colorado. And you've got dad, you've got uncle, you've got 13-year-old son, and mom and the other aunts are off the hill. But those three are in this UTV. They rent it. And they went about as hard as that UTV could go, that razor. And they jumped 128 feet off the top of one of those dudes and hit him. Nose in, and of course it went end to end. The 13-year-old was in the back. Now he was wearing a harness, but did not have a helmet on, and that roof came down. Unfortunately, he didn't survive it, um, and the father was the one driving. So it, those are the things I don't think people realize the real repercussion. I always think it's not going to be me, but it is, and and those are things that we all have to go out on and deal with um and i know for a fact that, that you know had he worn a helmet i i believe he would have had a chance at least and those are the things you want to have when you go and rent something is they don't have provide a helmet because in the state of utah utvs it is not required that you wear a helmet but ask for one and wear it because you get hard enough things will crush so it's those and, and wear those seat belts and those things because that's what's going to help keep you in there. But that is a good point about holding yourself too because it's natural reaction. Yeah. Just take your arm out when you go over. 
Um, so ask for them. And if they don't provide it, then maybe rent it from someone who will. Yeah, yeah I can't agree more with that. Um, a head injury is something you cannot recover from. The brain doesn't heal. And uh, it's, it's a once and done. It's not like, you, you, oh, geez, that was close. Maybe I'll wear a helmet next time. You know, you hit your head, that's it. You don't get a second chance. You know, so helmets may be, you know, hot or inconvenient or annoying, but uh, it's definitely worth it. We see a huge difference in patients who crash with and without a helmet as far as their recoverability from their injuries. Definitely. I know that's what uh, Therese is definitely big on the helmets. And I, I remember just when I go out and about um, in our Terex or side-by-side that, uh, you know, wear a helmet, put your seatbelt on. I'm constantly reminding um, my family sometimes who thinks they don't need to wear a seatbelt. I even seatbelt my dogs in it. So they're in a harness, they're hooked in. <laughs> Everybody's seatbelted. <laughs> Um, I have a question. So you uh, you have a lot of uh, beautiful reservoirs down there. What are some of the injuries that you see in um, it, like Gunlock? And there's another one, isn't there, close by? Um, what are some of the injuries that you see there, and what are some ideas for how to prevent those injuries? That was another on my head. <laughs> Just to take a picture yeah. of Gunlock. Nothing is more beautiful other than the water coming over that. But they're They've had injuries of people we jumping. We have multiple like, injuries of ah, people slipping, falling, yeah, or jumping yeah, off of those. Rocks. Yeah. And and the thing is about the gunlock, you know, the overflow area is um, one guy that jumped off. They're not checking that water. And actually, there's a boulder right underneath where that main flow of water goes off, and that water had shaped it into a nice little point. Oh, jeez. And when they're jumping, they're hitting, and it's just they're done. Yeah. And they're going under, and, and there's secular flow which grabs them and just sucks them up underneath that rock. Um, that's what we found the last gentleman that didn't make it. But And that's why they shut down the falls last year, is we had another lady that went off. She jumped on purpose, was injured. Um, Dr. Crosby actually came out, repelled in, and, <laughs> and, and helped get her out. But that was the... That was, was the thing that stopped the, they, they actually went to the water district and said open it up and drop the water so we can get people off these falls we had about five in three weeks wow. and they were things from back injuries broken ankles to, to trauma major trauma from jumping off the thing so um, first thing is, is i wouldn't jump off anything into any pool of water unless i know what's in that water and i know how deep it is um well they jump at sand hollow they do at, yeah. the, at the jumping rocks at sand hollow uh, which we recovered a young man out of in February. I don't want to make this sound terrible. I'm telling you, this is the reality yeah. that people yeah. don't hear. Yeah. And he just went there by himself, jumped off. Something happened. He did not come out of the water. And his family said, why didn't he come back to Salt Lake? He was supposed to be back, and we found his car out there. Three days. Okay. So, you know, those are the types of things as far as the jumping. As far as the swimming stuff, you really should be wearing some sort of a uh, PFD or something on you when you're swimming. We had many drownings at uh, San Paulo going from shore to the island and back. Um, we were getting quite a few, so we actually took, we got the state parks and put a, a platform out there. And we took it out there and we anchored it down to some big blocks to give people a place to rest. It's halfway, it's halfway in between. So that's what we did to help well, mitigate. That's a good idea. 
some of those injuries and some of those things. Um, it doesn't account for those who may have indulged in some intoxicating uh, <laughs> products, which we still get. But it did. It did. Our drownings actually dropped. We have more drownings at Quail Lake now than we have out at San Hollow. Yeah, that makes you more. So, but, wow. but you know, honestly, if you can't touch bottom, you should be wearing a PFD. Yeah. Um, that that's one of the biggest things I could tell you. Obey the way it works on a lake. If you don't know how it works with a boat or a jet ski, then ask yeah. because it has there is traffic, kind of a traffic way of it flows around the lake. Yeah. Okay, follow it. Don't go inside the buoys. There could be rocks that you can't see right below the surface. Those are the things you want to look at with with the lakes. Um, Gunlock, I love that lake. Bless it. But if any Anyone goes down it, you can't see your hand on your mask below 15 feet. So it's really kind of a darker, you know, tougher thing to deal with. Um, and we actually had a gentleman just lost his, his truck in there. And it, <laughs> his escalator, he got out. He says it went, he got out and it just kept going and it went down into the water. And it was actually about 150 feet from shore in 17 feet of water. And it took us a while to find it because it was so. Oh, so dark. Wow. Um, luckily, nobody was in it. But that's that's kind of the dynamics of even the different lakes. You talk about the different areas with the slot canyons to the, you know, you can go up on Pine Valley and be in pine trees and down in the desert and, and scrub. Uh, the lakes are that very similar, too. Each one is different. Mm -hmm. So look at look at what you're dealing with. Watch your water temps because they are different from Gunlock to Sand Hollow. Gunlock's going to be much colder than Sand Hollow is because of where yeah. water comes from. Um, so just your basic stuff, just watch your kids and don't go in with that at a PFD. We just did a drowning two weeks ago out in Quail, and the gentleman would have lived in it had he put his PFD on. That's all it was. He just fell out of his boat. So that, that's so, really a big part. Do you know, I, I, I personally have not learned from this, but I, 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 I really, I love my wave runner. A day on my wave runner is a day I happy and they don't have brakes no <laughs> so they don't no. stop no. <laughs> and they I don't think steer unless you're unless you're accelerating in motion. Right. and so if i put some person who's never been on a wave runner on a wave runner I, i'm i don't do that personally honestly i don't my children have all taken the classes i took the classes because it it doesn't handle like a road bike or a, you know it you'll it, people get hurt that way and so are there laws to prevent that, can Kami come and ride my wave runner if she's never been on one before? There aren't. Are if, there? She is, if she is 16 years old and has a driver's license, and she, can hop, on she can hop on that and drive it. Yeah. She can also drive a boat. Oh, that's scary. That is pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, they, have, they do have safety classes for water. Yeah. You know, yeah. and for ATVs and UTVs. <laughs> but it's usually for those that are like 10 to 16, you know, the younger kids, because um, they have to have that certificate to be able to operate one but once you get a driver's license you can pretty much drive anything you want yeah that's scary okay mm. <laughs> one, one more one more and more injury down here <laughs> yeah oh Perfect. my goodness <laughs> yeah. hey you had mentioned the water the change in water temps how cold can some of those get because i know people think oh southern utah you know i'm just gonna wear shorts to walk in the water or things like that and they don't think about the water temperatures getting cold so I've been diving in quail in 41 degrees. Yeah, it's not. That's too cold. That's very cold. That's how cold they get in the winter. 
Uh, Virgin Road, same thing. Um, we do swift water training in it. It's 45, 46 degrees. In the summer, though, you'll be at 80, 82 in these lakes. I mean, it's beautiful. Until you get down 10 or 15 feet and you hit a thermocline, it'll drop. But. Um, yeah, so, and in fact, that one young man that was on the jumping rocks that was missing, he did that in February. So it was cold water. Too. So it was a beautiful day, 65 degrees outside. I think he was feeling that warmth. Didn't think anything about the water when he hit that water. It was, oh, I think, 45. Yeah. And I suspect that had may have been a reason why he didn't come back. So, yeah. That wears you out, swimming what? in that cold of water. <laughs> ah, I yeah. can swim. I can swim well, I can tread for a long time, but if I get in 40, 50 degree water, I'm a few minutes at best, it wears me out fast. Well, has you any, have you guys ever just done that, just jumped into a really, really cold water? Well, it's shocked your system, yeah, too. When you, yeah. It takes your breath away. It takes your breath away. You start out. And if you're underwater, when you inhale involuntarily, what happens? Mm -hmm. Yeah, lungs full of water, and yeah. there's a good chance you're not coming back up. Yeah, that happens in our slot canyons where... You don't expect there to be water, and there is. So you might be swimming to your next repel, and you don't have a wetsuit, and you're going to, you're going to be cold if you're not prepared. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Kenna. Um, even in the middle of the summer, you know, it can be 110 degrees out, but in a slot canyon where that sun never hits, that water is still cold, and people get hypothermia in those slot canyons in the middle of the summer down here. It's extremes of temperature, you know, day and night, Sun to shade, no slot canyons. So. Mm -hmm. Can I talk about? You mentioned that it gets. Oops. Go ahead, Brittany. Sorry, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was just you. We were talking about it being cold, and you mentioned that in the desert it gets colder at night. How cold does it get if it's pretty? I, I'm I come from Nebraska, so I I'm listening to this, and I want to go and play in St. George area. Um, at night, mm. it's so. It just depends on where you are. I mean, you can be up at eleven thousand feet in Washington County if you're on top of Pine Mountain, or eight thousand feet on Kolob, or you can be in a slot canyon. Where I've gone down a slot canyon in May, and I had to break ice off of the pools so that I could swim through it um you know the temperature here in st george on a nice july night will get all the way down to probably 85 degrees maybe 80 but if you but if you're talking about some of those other extremes then you can find all different types of conditions and you just got to be prepared for that i think that that also speaks to the rescue times you're right that in salt lake valley you can get an ambulance within probably five minutes yeah. anywhere in that valley well here it might be a five minute drive but then you You've got to go through a slot canyon and that requires a high angle team to come which requ requires more equipment and somebody to go and get the trailer from the sheriff's office and you know sometimes you can get a helicopter to go and rescue people but not always sometimes down in a slot canyon a helicopter can't can't fit down there so it takes a very technical crew to get down there and get to you and we've had rescues before that once we got to the patient it was eight hours to get them out up out of a slot canyon because that takes a lot of manpower a lot of expertise and so you know you're providing medical care out and it's it's challenging and it's difficult and you just got to think of all those different conditions that make southern utah very unique and very varied 
I you draw a big crowd down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I that's that's what I wanted to talk yeah, about. Is, oh, so great! Zion's National Park. So it is in, internationally known, and we get people from all over who hopefully will listen to this podcast. So, what are some tips that you can give for people um, coming into Zion's National Park on how to stay safe and 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 walk out alive? <laughs> I, I can tell you, Zion National Park, most of it is, is in Washington County. And they do all their own rescues up there, partly because we couldn't handle them even if we wanted to with the ones that we've got. They have a little different philosophy of how they do things. Um, we got a lot of people that get down in those slot canyons, you know, going through the Narrows or, or, or up off the North Fork. Um, and they'll get they get down in there and there's no way out and there is no cell service so you must go prepared but even that things happen parks will usually send in one or two rangers who are emts and they will sit with you all night long until they can get a helicopter out of the grand canyon that is basically the way that they do most of their deep canyon rescues um and i and i can i can tell you that we've had four deaths off of Angel's Landing so far this year because people were not paying attention to where they were walking and what they were doing. And in the, some of those really high pinnacles, you make one mistake and it is going to probably be your last. So I would I recommend people don't try those things unless you're comfortable. If you're afraid of heights, don't go to Angel's Landing. That is not the place to go. <laughs> There's some really nice hikes down in the grotto, down further, down further, and you can see some really beautiful stuff. You know, but don't do it because you get bullied into it. Kids have a tendency to do that. Come on, man. Don't get bullied into doing something you are not feeling comfortable with or you are not capable of doing. And if you do do it, make sure people know where you're going, when you plan to come back, and take plenty of supplies to stay all night, even though that's not your plan. And for the slot canyons, you have to have a permit within Zion National Park. Um, there, I would say the vast majority of injuries we see in the emergency department, which we see a lot come out of Zion National Park, are going to be simple things like ankle sprains or, or ankle fractures, falls. Obviously, you get the really extreme falls as well in some place that is a as extreme as Zion National Park. But just the, the problem, I think, with things like Angel's Landing is the numbers of people that are coming here now. If anyone's been up there on those chains, um, which, you know, I've probably done 30 or 40 times, and I've even had my six-year-old up there with me, but we went at a time when it wasn't busy, and we made all the safety precautions, and now if you go, again, that was years ago, that we did that now if you go it is a traffic jam from top to bottom and so you're having to let go of the chains go around people and it's so busy i'm afraid that it's probably going to turn into a permit system for us um here in washington county to go to angels national angels landing here shortly because the, the number of people who are trying to do it is making it dangerous just because of the volume you not not to mention the height i think think about having to pass on the trail duh <laughs> that would be yeah. And you wait. Yeah. There's a good yeah. time where you wait for five minutes while twenty people pass you. There's not. It's wow. not just wow. one or two. It. There are lines up on the chains to get out to the very edge. So it, it's not realized. You see those beautiful pictures from up there, but 
do a little research on how oh, yeah. you know how what it looks like from the bot from that top and if you can handle that view because you might not know you're afraid of heights until you're yeah. out there for sure and you i mean there are other trails that are just as spectacular that are probably safer so if you continue on from scout's lookout up the West Rim Trail. You can get beautiful overlooks up there with a trail that is at least as wide as a sidewalk all the way up. And, you know, there, there are other options there, so don't feel like you have to do the most extreme thing if that's not for you. Yeah, and remind people not to hike in flip-flops. Something that has traction. Especially, <laughs> yeah. especially down there. I mean, I'm sure you get people that are like, oh, you know, it's it's Zion or it's Southern Utah, and I can just go in my flip-flops and and walk around and not think about the fact that they're walking on those really slick rocks and you have loose gravel and reminding people that footwear is kind of important, even though you might not want to wear it. Well, and one other thing I've discovered down here, my kids live in mesquite, is the bugs, scorpions and snakes and all kinds of stuff that you have down here as well. How often do you see injuries from, I got bit by a scorpion. <laughs> You get bit or you get stung. Yeah, somebody who was using one of those, what did you call it, intoxicating beverages <laughs> <laughs> and saw just a baby rattlesnake that oh, obviously gosh. would be a toy, um, which most people know is actually more venomous than an adult yeah. rattlesnake. So I. I think we probably get rattlesnake bites and scorpion stings. I would estimate between 50 and 100 per year that we get here in the emergency department. Um, most of them are not terribly serious. We have the medications here to treat those, but recognize that those medications, I mean, a, a vial of antivenom for rattlesnake bite runs probably several thousand yeah. dollars, perhaps up to $10,000 per dose. So those aren't things that we can and send out with our ambulances for a bad envenomation to get you the medicine quicker. You've got to make it here to the hospital, and like we've said over and over again, that can be a very long transport to get here. Yeah. We had, we had a gentleman who got one of them by Valley, got bit. Um, and it took us hours. I mean, we're talking six hour rescue. Six hour rescue to get him out of there. Luckily, it was a dry bite because we, we kind of gathered that after six hours because. Like he hadn't turned dark and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was a drive-by. Sorry, it's just the in the field thing, you know? No, it's oh, oh, that looks like a drive-by to me. <laughs> but no, I mean, they were they were wanting them sent up and stuff, and, and we didn't know exactly the protocols on that. So we learned a, a really good lesson that no, AHC will not send you a $3,000 file of medication by lifelight or any other means. Yeah. So we ha we know that we just have to focus on treating it in the field best we can, and then getting them transported. Um, it, it is fairly rare for us though to come across that. It's going to be the other the other types of activities we're going to end up dealing with. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll stay away from the snakes for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would think scorpion would be the. Yeah. biggest culprits here. Scorpions can cause a really severe reaction where you get really anxious and. And sometimes you can have some breathing problems. A lot of times the eyes will start to beat side to side. We have antivenom for that as well, but rarely are they life-threatening stings. Um, so it's the rattlesnakes that are going to be a little bit more concerning. And the nice thing about rattlesnakes, they let you know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk towards the sound. 
<laughs> they, they make it quite obvious, and, and they're usually not aggressive. So once you hear them, if you go the other way, you're fine. <laughs> well, and let's throw out just to, you know, for our listeners maybe who haven't had any rattlesnake safety is if they do get bit, what do they do? Because, you know, we all know you don't suck out the venom, you don't put on a tourniquet, but just as a reminder of what do they do while they're waiting for help. Get to a medical facility. <laughs> I mean, how you debate on whether to raise it up to minimize swelling yeah. or if that actually promotes travel through the body so you want to keep it low. The biggest thing you can do is try not to get bit. <laughs> and then if you get, get, get to a medical facility, because we have very specific indications for the treatments, which are medical, which is antivenom. Every once in a while, there's a surgical treatment for it that we try to avoid. Um, but just get to medical care if you're concerned about around. I tell them just to try and relax. I know that's a hard thing to do when you just got bit. Yeah. Just try and relax. Get If you've got cell service in, in, in dial 911, probably best that you stay where you're at and we'll come and get you as quick as we can. And if we can get a helicopter, we certainly will. And that's but that's not always an option. What if this person's, you know, they're trying to get up and walk out and, and talking about maybe that movement of wherever they're at, maybe it, most of the time it's probably going to be on the leg is my assumption. Um, you know, or are they trying to kind of keep that still and not move around as much? Um, staying put is getting up and walking out a good idea. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so tricky because you're right. I mean, if you can walk five minutes to get in your car and then get to the emergency department, do that. I mean, as, especially if if you're feeling okay. But if you're a long ways in and you're going to need some extra help getting out, then you probably want to call and just get advice on your particular situation, particular location. Up on the side of the cliff and a bunch of boulders, and that's where you got bit and you can't get down. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, was guy, that was the guy's not situation. Try to walk that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, it's crazy how fast this hour's gone. We're coming up to almost an hour. So, to wrap it up. Can I touch on just one more question? And I, I and then I have a question. <laughs> we're going to put you guys in here. And I did too. <laughs> so, just a quick question about um, e-mountain bikes, because I want to go back just a little bit on the mountain bikes. Um, there is a lot more e-mountain bikes around, and obviously they go faster than your regular pedal bike. Are you guys seeing injuries from that with people taking them out? Um, and riding them around any more than you are regular mountain bikes? Absolutely. A fantastic question. Um, when you look at Red Bull Rampage and say that you've still got a job, e-bikes is my job security as an emergency doctor. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many, in the last year, how many accidents we've had on e-bikes. It is very easy to climb stuff that you probably should not be climbing on an e-bike. It gives you extra power and a lot of Older people are getting on bikes that have not been on them for a year. They're probably going to be okay going on, you know, a paved trail. But then the problem comes in that there's some gravel on that paved trail and they're going 20 miles an hour and they fall. Um, for some reason, there is a generation change in helmet wearing. If I go to get on a bike to bike down to my mailbox and I don't have my helmet on, my kids are running out the front door after me yelling, Dad, get a helmet, get a helmet. Uh-huh. Older people, for some reason, don't think they need them a lot of times. And that's, as Dr. Sutherland said, it's oftentimes a one-and-done injury where you're not going to get that function back. So e-bikes are wonderful. They're fun. I've been on them several times. Um, be careful. The same things that we talked about before. You're not an extreme mountain biker who can do a major 
amazing things just because you have some extra power to boost you up hills. And then guess what? You have to come back down the hills. And unless you have some technical skill, you probably shouldn't be on that trail. So we have seen, I, I would guess that last summer, fall, spring, summer, fall, we probably saw a thousand percent increase in e-bike injuries because they're becoming so much more prevalent. And people who aren't avid mountain bikers are getting on them, being able to do some things that they think are pretty awesome. And they are, but you still have to have the technical skill. Awesome. Thank you. Go ahead, Brittany. Um, I guess my question was, what are your guys' if somebody who hasn't come or is from Utah, what is your favorite spot to visit? Don't tell me, buddy. No, <laughs> What would you recommend? Not your secret spots. What would you recommend? Well, really, you know, it's it's the popular places are popular for a reason because they're beautiful, they're phenomenal, and if you're coming here to see the most impressive nature on display, you can go to the places you've heard of, and that's that's why they're popular. If you want to come here to get away from it all and be by yourself. Well, then you're going to have to dig a little deeper and, you know, talk to some locals and figure out where the secret haunts are, where you can go and, and find some peace and quiet. Um, you know, they, the popular places, they're, they're busy. They're going to be busy. And, you know, like we talked about Angels Landing, it's solid people. It's not peace and quiet and serenity anymore like it used to be, but it's still beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, you, if you go to Zion National Park, you get on their website, you pick up their map, and then they've got all the popular places listed around. Right there, Snow Canyon State Park, same thing. Um, so, so it kind of depends on what you're looking for. But, but if, if you want the the, the most uh, impressive and spectacular places, they're easy to find because they're publicized all over. I just personally, my favorite. I'll, I'll throw out some names. So if anybody wants to look them up, they can. But um, Canaraville Falls, I think, is permitted now because it to be too much as well but that is beautiful it's right off the freeway it's easy to, to get to but once you're in we've had some injuries from there so be prepared for the water shoes and water hiking but it's beautiful and nice and warm um where the last one i did was coyote gulch that's outside of washington county but that one too you definitely are in it so be prepared and I just can't stress that enough I think people that aren't from this area don't realize the amount of preparation it takes to do these when they see them on Instagram or you know it's just they see a beautiful picture and get in the car and go but do some research to these amazing spots can I, can I add one thing when people come here and they get hurt they seem to think we have a helicopter with a hoist in our back pocket. And <laughs> Southern Utah has, we have Life Flight, which is a medical helicopter, which cannot do hoisting and short hauling. So we get people come down here from other places, and they're assuming we can just call a helicopter and get them. We need a helicopter with a basket. Well, that's great, but I don't have one. Your minimum time for that type of a rescue is three to four hours, and that's if everything falls in place. That you're going to be laying there hurt, and if that's our only option. So I want people to understand, if they're going to go out and do this really extreme stuff in a real remote area, if something bad happens and they get hurt, 
it is going to take a while. So we're hoping you're not that hurt. Yeah. Or it will be more, you know, tougher to get them out. So. so one quick question. You are um, the Trauma 2 facility down in the middle of the desert, which I think is a real miracle for not just the people who visit, but um, your community as well. What are the num What are the numbers look like over spring break and throughout the summer um, for your hospital? And do you get overwhelmed sometimes? Well, this spring break's been pretty busy with trauma and injuries. Um, sometimes we do get overwhelmed, but we have mechanisms in place to be able to handle that because we, you know, unlike Salt Lake, the Wasatch Front, we don't have another hospital to send people to. So we really have to be able to flex and expand our capabilities you know we had a tour bus crash a couple of years ago and we had a whole bunch of people come in all at once and we had to um, make make room for them and you know expand our capabilities so we do have mechanisms in place where we can do that um, but you know as as the visitations get busier we talked about how the search and rescue has gotten busier um, we've you know each year we've seen an increase in the number of trauma patients that come to our hospital and uh, we just have to keep expanding our our facility to be able to take care of them because we really are the only one around uh, you know Vegas and Salt Lake are the next closest hospitals. Dr. Crosby do you have any place secret you want to tell about? <laughs> I would say a couple of really nice places to go to kind of just get an overview and they're not too technical it would be Dixie Rock is a nice place mm -hmm. that you can go and you you can climb on some slick rock and have fun and get a beautiful uh, panoramic view of the city. And then just if, if you go a little bit farther on that road, um, I, uh, Red Cliffs Parkway, is that the name of the road? Yeah. Right. Towards Red Cliffs Parkway, thank you. Um, towards Santa Clara and Ivan's on the right-hand side, just as you crest on that hill, there's a parking lot there that you can take an underpass to the other side of the road and do City Creek and Owens Loop. And those are nice, easy trails that get you up on some elevation with beautiful views. No, those are fun places for us to go. And to be honest with you, they're not very busy. A lot yeah. of times that's where we go because no one's there now. There. <laughs> they're seeing all the, the big technical kind yeah. of sets all over the internet to go on. Well, we just went and hiked Aspiration Trail. That was fun. Yeah, with all the painted rocks. rocks. So, yeah, yeah, it was fun. So, yeah. Okay. Anything else, folks? No, we oh, appreciate you so much. Thank you for this has been fantastic. Yeah, thank we you. Yes. We appreciate your time a lot. All great information. But, thank you for inviting us and having us on your podcast. Yes. Stay safe. And <laughs> have fun exploring. And wear your helmet. Okay. Right? Wear your helmet. Wear your helmet. Wear your helmet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.